I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that I am located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and I am privileged and honored to live and learn on the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation. Hello, and welcome to Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. Trench Leadership is a proud supporter of the Concussion Legacy Foundation for their leadership in advancing the study, treatment, and prevention of brain trauma for athletes, veterans, and other at-risk groups. Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front, is a show for emerging leaders of all professions that offers advice, inspiration, and practical tools from a diverse breadth of leaders who have made the mistakes, had the triumphs, and are still learning along the way. Here's your host, Simon Cardinal. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. This episode was created to speak about workplace conflicts, and I originally intended to release this episode five weeks from now. But being a leader means paying attention to the social and political landscape, adjusting as needed to deliver the best information at the most opportune time. I'm guessing that you're probably asking, why is this topic so important right now? And the answer is that I live in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada's national capital. And at the time of this recording, there's a large demonstration happening that is protesting federally mandated vaccination regulations. There's a whole bunch of other things about it, but at the core, this is what we're talking about. And considering the theme of this episode is about offering emerging leaders workplace conflict insight and advice, I felt we could use this protest as an opportunity for all of us to learn from this real-world example of conflict in action. I cannot stress enough that I am not about to weigh in on either side of the political and personal aspects of the demonstration. Rather, what I've noticed is that both sides have dug in and are not speaking with each other. Hence, conflict. And so, I'd like to begin this episode by quoting famed American labor leader and civil rights activist Dolores Huerta, who once said, when you have a conflict, that means there are truths that have to be addressed on each side of the conflict. And when you have a conflict, then it's an educational process to try to resolve the conflict. And to resolve that, you have to get people on both sides of the conflict involved so that they can dialogue. Now, before we dive deep into this topic, Take a moment to think about your personal conflict experiences, specifically one good and one bad. And as you're thinking of these examples, try to identify the moment or moments that caused the conflict. Think of how you felt in those moments and how it felt when or if the conflict was resolved. I'll just take a second here or you can pause me. I'd like to start by offering that conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sure, conflicts are most often awkward to navigate but there are proven advantages to these conflicts. And I think it's important to look at some of these advantages so that we as leaders can begin to see conflict as opportunities, not setbacks, allowing us to begin approaching conflict resolution in more productive manners. Dr. Stephanie Mockler, an industrial and organizational psychologist, highlighted two main positive points that come out of conflict. The first is that conflict can help to overcome a lack of team inertia. In other words, if everyone had the same thoughts and ideas, we wouldn't innovate. If we didn't challenge each other, we wouldn't push the boundaries of our imaginations. Humans can become complacent. In fact, as I'm recording this episode, my hair is disheveled and I'm wearing the same shorts and t-shirt that I had on yesterday. Why? Because I can. Because no one is pushing me to make sure I change my shirt or brush my hair. Conflict energizes our minds by forcing us to think, to defend our ideas and actions. Secondly, conflict improves team trust. 
Mockler noted that as teams learn to embrace and manage conflict, they grow together and become more in tune with each other's thought processes. Ultimately, teams that are comfortable pushing back on one another without fear of reprisal are able to drive their performance to the next level. They not only avoid stagnation and improve their collective decision-making ability, but they also become stronger in the process. It's a win-win situation. Now that we've established conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing, we can begin to talk about the common types of conflict that exist in the workplace. The first type of conflict, according to Stephanie Mockler of Vantage Talent Accelerated 2021, is the task-based conflict. Task-based conflicts tend to develop from every team member having their own idea or plan to best achieve the team goals. And if you think about it, this makes perfect sense. How many times have you heard the plan and internally rolled your eyes, just knowing without any doubt that if you had it your way, If you were the leader, the project would be done faster and better. And you knew this because of your personal and professional experiences in the past. Now, imagine that you're in a team of people with similar professional experiences, each person with their own idea of how to help the team succeed. You may be asking yourself how everyone having their own idea for team success can cause conflict. And you'd be right. This alone isn't the impetus for conflict. The conflict comes when we don't communicate. If we keep our ideas inside our minds, No one but us knows the idea is available. And if we think the idea is really good, then the tendency is that our frustration of the idea not being used will fester, ensuring we become more and more frustrated and more and more impatient. And then we become more frustrated and more impatient. And then be more frustrated and more impatient. I think you see where I'm going with this. And it gets even worse if the current plan doesn't appear to be working. Well, even space station residents can see sparks flying between team members when this is happening. The point is that inevitably, once we start getting upset, the other team members can start to feel that angst and the whole team suffers. So the question becomes, how can emerging leaders ensure that everyone is heard? The answer is simple. Talk to your team and truly hear what they have to say. But you can't stop there. If you use an idea, explain to the whole team why the idea was chosen. But you're still not done. It's absolutely imperative that the leader talks to people whose ideas were not chosen and explain why. Think of it this way. Were you confused when your ideas weren't used? Probably a little bit. And this is because our ideas are often very clear in our own minds. And when the leaders don't choose our obviously great idea, we don't understand why. And if we don't get an explanation, then we'll simply fill in the gaps to understand what is happening and why. Whether or not our gap filling makes any sense. Paul LaRue of the Connection Culture Group 2019 stated that when the information is not given, they will start to fill in the blanks or gaps to make sense of what is happening. And I'll say it again, your team needs to know what is going on. And if you don't tell them why, they'll come up with their own answers. As the leader, it's your responsibility to ensure the lines of communication are open and used. I know this is easier said than done, and I'll admit that my leadership weakness is fully communicating with my team, especially once we get busy and the projects are all happening at the same time and I have to start doing all these different things. Often, for me, the thing I forget to do is send out an email with an update, and quite often I get a response back asking me what's going on, and that's my cue to figure it out. I still struggle with that, but I'm figuring out how to work with that, hence an episode about workplace conflict. But I promise you, I guarantee it, if you don't communicate with your people about why their ideas aren't used, you will create discord in your team. The second type of conflict is a tricky one, and it's commonly referred to as relationship conflict. 
I'm not specifically talking about romantic relationships, although there are certainly instances when this type of conflict could arise. For this point, Mockler is referring to the personality conflicts among team members. Do you remember those ideas we talked about earlier? Well, when it comes time to enact the idea, everyone will have an opinion on how best to complete the task. It's the leader's responsibility to navigate this conflict, and it can be hard. It very likely will be hard. The Indeed editorial team, 2021, offers two pieces of advice. First, stay calm. Even if everything in you is screaming to tell the person to be quiet and do as they're told, now is the time to stay calm. Personally, this is one of my biggest struggles as a leader, especially when I'm very busy, stressed out about deadlines or budgets or people or whatever. It's tough for me. So how do we stay calm when people are in our face or the team is bickering among themselves and not working on the project? The first step is to take a breath. Literally and figuratively, stop moving and take a breath. This will reset your mind and hopefully provide some clarity to begin solving the challenges. The second piece of advice is to acknowledge the conflict. Even if you feel you're right, or if you have no choice but to attack a project a certain way, it is imperative to acknowledge the conflict exists. Sometimes, this is all it takes to defuse a conflict. People want to know that they've been heard. That's it. Also, as the Indeed editorial team noted, once the conflict has been recognized, everyone involved needs to agree upon reaching a resolution. I'd like to offer that you try to see the conflict from the viewpoint of your other team members and focus on the things that you can all agree on. This will help you better understand what they're feeling, why they're feeling it, and how they think and allow you to come to a resolution together. Basically, put yourself in their shoes and try to see the conflict from their perspective. Basically, put yourself in their shoes and try to see the conflict from their perspective. A common error for new leaders is to assume they need to assert their command during conflict. I'm telling you right now, no, that is not what you need to do. In fact, this might be one of the worst things that you could do. People will shut down immediately because they think that they've been brushed off and not heard. And these issues that started the conflict, they fester even faster and faster and faster. Just because you're the leader does not mean that you are expected to have all of the knowledge and experience to make unilateral executive decisions. Leaders listen, leaders consider the options, and then leaders make decisions. The third type of conflict is the process conflict. This type of conflict is the meat and potatoes of the how of things. Picture this, you're all sitting around the table, you're the leader and you stand up and ask, okay, how are we gonna do this? And everyone raises their hand to speak. What do you think the odds are that everyone will have the same idea? In this particular example, very soon conflict will arise. So how can we overcome this type of conflict? In one word, communicate. Yes, I know you're sick of hearing me talk about communicating, but there's a reason this solution comes up time and again in so many podcast episodes. And that's because communicating during the planning phase will help people buy into others' suggestions even abandoning their own ideas because they have seen and heard the other plans and understand that they might work. Of course, this won't happen every time, but communicating why something is being done goes a long way to appeasing people's desires. I do have some bad news though. This won't be the last time that you hear me talk about communication. Hi there, it's Glenn, the voiceover artist. I'm back and you guessed it, if you're hearing me, that means we're at the midpoint of this episode. Do you have a topic that you feel would benefit from emerging leaders? Then send us a note at simonk at trenchleadership.ca 
And if your topic is used on the show, you'll be invited as a special guest host for your episode. Follow Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. And if you feel we've earned it, please help us grow our following by leaving a review and sharing the episodes on your social media platforms. And now, back to the show. Now that we've talked about some of the most common types of conflict, this seems like a good opportunity to pivot and talk about how to recognize conflict in your team. The fact is that recognizing conflict is one of the hardest things for leaders to do. Now, I can just imagine that you're in your car right now telling me out loud that recognizing conflict is easy. And sometimes it is. But most often, the conflict is like slow cooker chili. It simmers on low heat for hours, slowly warming up, all the ingredients mixing together to create a tasty conflict. Mmm. Chili. Great. Now, now I'm going to have to go make some slow cooker chili for supper. But before I do that, I'd like to talk about conflict in this sense. But much like the ingredients in a tasty bowl of chili, the personalities of your team members all mix together to contribute to the conflict. As the leader, you have to be acutely aware of the power that each ingredient will have when they are all mixed together. The point is that most often the conflict can be resolved long before the screaming match occurs. And as the leader, it's your responsibility to see the signs. Ellie Collier, 2017 of Hub.com, offered 10 cues that your team might be headed towards a giant bowl of conflict chili. The first is body language. A person's body language is one of the most common ways to tell whether something is amiss. Often, people don't even realize the body language that they adopt. So, focusing on body language can be essential in recognizing if an employee is bottling a problem up. Examples of some body language to watch out for include avoiding eye contact, which can show nervousness towards a person. Crossed arms could indicate that someone feels under attack and they're showing defensiveness. But be careful with this one because some people just like to cross their arms. Frowning could be an example of someone expressing discontent and sometimes anger towards a person and or situation. And the position of a person when they stand or face away from others may be a way to show their discontent. I'd like to go back to the frowning one very quickly and just remind people that sometimes frowning just means they're thinking. I often carry this look of, well, as my daughter calls it, my Garfield frown eyes, because when I'm really con- when I'm really thinking about something, what's going on is I'm really, really thinking about something, and so I just naturally frown. But I'm not upset, and even though it looks that I am that way, in fact, all I'm doing is considering the possibilities. It took me a long time as a leader to understand that that was going on with my team members, and, and actually, I didn't even know it was happening until one of my brave team members came to me and explained to me what was going on and what the impression was amongst the team. Once that happened, we were able to drastically change the dynamic of the team and things got a lot better for us. Anywho, let's move on to point number two, behavioral changes. Changes in normal behavior show that something is wrong. For example, people may withdraw from situations, not contribute and remain quiet, even though this is out of their usual character. Point three is a click formation. If you notice a division of the team into obvious groups, this may indicate a conflict between certain people. This also applies if you see people taking sides or ganging up on others. Folks, clicks are dangerous and must be avoided at all costs. Number four is slowed productivity. When people feel unhappy in their work environment, their morale and motivation tend to decrease and they focus less on their work. If you notice a reduction in productivity, consider asking employees if there is a particular reason for this. 
Number five is anxiety. People who experience conflict may seem anxious and on edge. For example, they may avoid social interactions and constantly question their work. The sixth point is words and comments. The way employees express themselves verbally can indicate if conflict is occurring. If people are upset, their words become much more emotive. And you may also notice sly and odd comments made between people, and some employees may even be rude and inappropriate towards others. Number seven are complaints. Listen to how people talk about their job, colleagues, and their work. If they frequently complain, this indicates dissatisfaction and may be a sign of conflict. You should also take extra care to focus on any negative responses in any of the staff surveys. The eighth point is a loss of trust. Trust is essential in workplaces, and employees must be able to trust each other and the people in management. Distrust may indicate conflict and feelings of anxiety. The ninth point is increased sickness levels. Higher sickness levels can indicate staff dissatisfaction and a lack of willingness to come into work. Furthermore, frequent conflicts can lead to mental health implications such as stress, anxiety, and depression. We all get sick from time to time, but if there are noticeable patterns, you should ask why. And finally, high staff turnover. If you are experiencing a high staff turnover and a large number of staff leaving, well, there's probably a reason why. You should investigate this to prevent current employees from leaving and to make your company a better place to work. Okay, so we've talked about how conflict can be a good thing. We've discussed the most common types of conflict, and we've shared some of the physical cues that leaders can see when conflict is either coming or happening in teams. Most importantly, we talked about slow cooker chili. Wait, was that the most important thing? Hmm. Anywho, right now it's time to talk about how we can resolve conflict. Sam McRyan of TalentWorks.com 2020 offered the following ways to resolve conflicts. The first is to deal with conflict right away. When conflict happens, as a leader, you can't avoid it or go on with your working day as if nothing has happened. Over time, the negative emotions will pile up and even a small disagreement will quickly transform into a full-blown conflict. Resolve issues immediately, before they happen and before problems or negative emotions become part of everyday work. This proactive approach will define you as a better leader, as well as enhance both your employer brand and company culture. Number two, make genuine space for giving and getting feedback. Allowing employees to share feedback is an important step towards finding the best solution. Giving them the option to be heard improves your employer brand and makes them feel valued as your team members. Keep in mind that this is a very challenging task, particularly if the tension between everyone involved is still very high. But there are steps you can take to cultivate psychological safety and trust to facilitate tension-free conversations. Start by setting a clear objective for the meeting. A clear objective helps keep the involved parties from blaming each other and instead focus on finding a way to overcome their conflict and work together as a team. Ensure the meeting provides a space where conflicting parties feel free to share feedback. The third point is to identify points of agreement. You can resolve the disagreement only when you have identified points of agreement. As a facilitator, you must give everyone an equal chance to speak and be heard. Listen keenly, avoid taking sides, and note down some important points. I also suggest to focus on finding a common ground that the conflicting parties can support. The fourth point is to follow up. This point is, in my opinion, second in importance only to communication. Once a suitable solution to the conflict has been found, it's imperative to follow up with the parties involved to assess the implementation process, conducting surveys, face-to-face -face conversations, 
or joint debriefs are all great ways to do the follow-up. If you find out that the solution isn't bringing the desired results, you can go back to the drawing board and develop an alternative idea. Further to these points, Mike Myatt, the chairman of N2Growth, in his Forbes article titled Five Keys of Dealing with Workplace Conflict, talked about the WIFM factor or the what's-in-it-for-me factor. He goes on to say, Understanding the other professional's WIFM position is critical. It is absolutely essential to understand others' motivations prior to weighing in. The way to avoid conflict is to help others around you achieve their objectives. If you approach the conflict from the perspective of taking the action that will help others best achieve their goals, you will find the new obstacles that stand in your way with regard to resolving the conflict. Lastly, sometimes professionals need to be brought in to facilitate the conflict. Bringing in the HR department or hiring a consultant might feel like that you failed as a leader, but I would argue that it takes real courage and real leadership to admit when a situation has escalated beyond your control. Yes, there will be time to reflect and see how you might have avoided letting the situation get to this point, but that's also part of your leadership learning journey to help you understand how to avoid these situations. Well, that's a wrap from the front. In this episode, we heard from industry experts about how workplace conflict can be helpful to building team cohesion and trust. We heard about some of the most common types of workplace conflicts, as well as how we can recognize if you have a big bowl of conflict chili simmering in the slow cooker. Finally, we talked about how emerging leaders can resolve workplace conflict. I'd like to close this episode with a quote from the great Margaret Wheatley and her book Perseverance. We live in a world of extremes and polarities. People take positions at the far edge of an issue and then scream across the distance they created. Others, numbed by everyday experience, seek out extremes in sports and personal challenges. Living at the extreme consumes enormous resources. We spend energy on justifying our position, on attacking our enemy, on defending our ground, on protecting our position. Or in the case of extreme sports, we devote huge amounts of time and resources to training and preparing for the ultimate challenge. Somewhere in all the furor and drama, we've lost sight of the middle. Yet it's in the middle where possibilities reside. Some call the middle compromise or consensus, terms which have come to mean failure, mediocrity, and loss. We don't remember meeting in the middle as anything but negative. And this is perhaps because we're so addicted to strong emotions and loud noises to motivate us. We no longer seek the quiet space of center, but all great spiritual traditions of moderation, harmony, balance, the middle way. One way to rediscover middle is to notice your everyday behaviors. Notice when your position on an issue important to you. Are you sitting out on one side, justifying your behavior, assuming you're right and others are wrong? Or are you open to the possibility that you can't see very well from where you're sitting, that you don't know all the facts of the case? Humility and curiosity is what shifts us to the center. Just by being curious, we move toward the middle ground with its fertile promises of new ideas and new relationships. Thanks for tuning in and remember, Leadership without passion limits the depth of your vision. So, how was the episode? Were you engaged? Did you finish the episode with a piece of leadership ammunition to help you lead from the trenches? Was this episode relevant and helpful? If so, never miss an episode by following us on all of your favorite podcast feeds. While you're there, and if you feel it's merited, please consider leaving an episode review. If the episode missed its mark, 
We need your help to refine the topic. So reach out and let us know how we can improve the show for you and all of our listeners. Be sure to join us next week with your host, Simon Cardinal, for another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. A proud supporter of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and Project Enlist. Episodes produced by iGlen Studios. Music provided by Ashamal of Music.